0: Hi everybody, and welcome back to the Because We Went to Therapy podcast. I'm Ashley. I'm Emily. And today we are joined by a very special guest, uh, Grace Mackey from Elevate Therapy. She has a practice dedicated to holistic healing through psychotherapy and yoga therapy, and we have yet to be able to talk to somebody that um, has combined these different holistic practices. So we're really excited. And she has a special interest in talking about chronic pain and fatigue, and that will be. of the focus of our conversation today so thanks for joining us Grace.
1: Thanks for having me excited to be here.
0: So do you mind just starting off telling us a little bit about your journey whatever you're comfortable with um, through therapy and chronic pain that led to your practice today?
1: Yeah for sure so um, I actually started therapy when I was 15. Uh, My parents put me in there very 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 grateful for it very thankful um, after some trauma and just teenage stuff. I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and so um, that kickstarted my love for therapy. Uh, I, I mean, I, I say it all the time. It saved my life. I don't know where I would be today without it, and so um, I went straight into becoming a therapist or going to school for therapy right after undergrad, um, and so first and foremost, trained is very traditionally psychotherapist, but during grad school, I actually started to develop a lot of chronic pain, um, all over my body um, and fibromyalgia. And so I went in, went to multiple different doctors, chiropractors, the whole nine yards. Eventually, I was seeing a naturopath who said, I think you need to see a psychologist. And we're thinking, like, all right, I mean, I'll try anything at this point, but sure. Um, lo and behold, she specialized in what's called pain reprocessing therapy. And about 80 to 90% of my pain went away after like six months of doing therapy with her. And so um, that was great. And I didn't think a whole lot about it, honestly. I just kind of went on my journey of being a therapist. Um, And in the meantime, I had a love for yoga and eventually got my yoga teacher training and yoga therapy training. But um, about five years after, which was, this was about three years ago, I guess, um, I started developing other symptoms. Things like histamine headaches, gut issues. I did a lot of testing and I had a slew of different, like, positive findings pop up. And I did a lot of, like, detoxing and supplements and a lot of different things. Um, but a lot wasn't really changing. And then I finally recognized, or my husband helped me recognize, um, that I could probably use the same modality from the physical chronic, chronic pain I had with this. And when I did, my symptoms, my headaches went away within like two weeks. And so after that, I was thinking, okay, this is incredible. More people need to understand this because it's just so hidden. It's just not understood. So I now am trained in pain reprocessing therapy. Um, and so now that's solely so much of what I'm focused on. I see individuals for it and I have a group program that I also see people for chronic pain, anxiety, fatigue, um, these symptoms that haven't really gone away with other kinds of treatments and that are still lingering. Um, so yeah, that's the gist. <laughs> that it's, that's such
2: a, um, that's a, not a cool story because obviously you've been in a lot of pain, but it's cool that like how you found out about it because I have to admit as a therapist, I've never even heard of pain reprocessing therapy until we connected on um, Instagram and I started like stalking your Instagram and I was like, oh, this is so fascinating because I had never heard of it. And so the fact that it helped you and now you're using it to help other people, it, that's the really uh, fascinating and cool part about your
1: story. Yeah, I agree. It's really, it's just not. It's not known, and and you wouldn't really, you wouldn't need to unless you've been through it. It's one of kind of one of those things. It's just, yeah, it's not as prevalent.
0: Yeah, and I feel like I kind of have a similar story to you, Grace. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia when I was 19 or 20, I think, like sophomore year of college, and. At the time, like none of the doctors I was going to, or even the therapists that I was seeing kind of made the connection between maybe it is a little bit like a trauma response relation, mind-body connection. Really nobody was able to kind of make that connection until I was post-grad. And I was dealing, personally, a lot of my chronic pain was like joint pain and in my back and like shoulders and hips and you know how it is. So I was seeing all different chiropractors and rheumatologists and all these different people taking pain medicine at one point. And then now that I've kind of gotten, um, like I've gone through trauma therapy and just more like a regular therapy practice, I've been able to get the chronic pain a lot more in line and through yoga as well. I've been doing yoga, yoga a lot lately too, which has been amazing. Um, so just really interesting how a lot of people don't make that mind-body connection that, you know, maybe these two things are related. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. It's not. No, because it's just, yeah, it's just not talked about. We we tend to think and we're taught, many doctors and professionals are taught that there is a disconnection that doesn't, you know, treat physical only because it's physically happening. Um, but
0: it's just not the case. Mm-hmm. I know well, something the... was interesting in uh, my journey when I first was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, they wanted to put me on an SSRI. And I was like, why? Like in my mind, I just wasn't that far within my therapy journey at the time. And I was like, why is the MD trying to put me on this SSRI? Like I can see through research and studies that there is a connection that it's helpful, but why is that? So it's funny that they couldn't even explain like, oh, maybe it is, you know, partially a mind connection as well. And me just being a teenager, like I had no idea how to make that connection.
1: Yes. And, you know, I say this a lot is it, it is really specific though, even just the training around changing how your mind, your brain processes pain, because yes, a lot of people can understand that, okay, your emotional mental response or um, state does affect your physical, we can get that, especially right if they're saying prescribing SSRIs, but to really understand the connection and change that is a whole other level. So I have a lot of clients that come to me that says like, sure, I mean, I've been in therapy for this, but we're not necessarily for this, but I've been in therapy, especially trauma therapy, but like it's not really helping. And that's really just because it, it's so nuanced that there's certain techniques to really retrain the brain and get yourself out of the idea that it is physically um, an issue, right? The physical is the way to treat it or it's really not. We have to tro- totally rewire what we recognize about what's happening in our body and realize, no, we don't need to treat it physically. We need to treat it mentally, emotionally. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say, because I feel like the mind-body connection is really, especially now with like the book The Body Keeps Score, like really talked about a lot in the mental health space. And so yeah, I feel like that is... Uh, something that we are recognizing a lot more in the therapy space about the mind-body connection. And then it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like um, your therapy takes it a step further. I'm like, yes, we know the mind-body connection. We know healing the mind can help with healing the body and vice versa. But it sounds like, um, what did you? what is it called again? Mind reprocessing?
1: Uh, Pain reprocessing.
2: Pain yeah. reprocessing takes it a step further
1: hmm it does it acknowledges that, well, a couple of different things. One, a big or a big part of treating is psychoeducation. It's a huge part of it because every no matter if you're the client, the therapist, like you need to understand and change the way you think about your pain. So you need to understand what's happening, how the brain is working, and then really rewire your understanding of, okay, so it's not that the x-rays are showing a bulge disc in my back or it's not that my gut tests are showing you know top mold toxic toxicity that those may be true but that's still not the original cause of the pain and so we have to make that like really big shift and like kind of mental gymnastics to change that so once we understand it then our brain can kind of kick into gear and be like oh okay well if that's the case then sure i'll start stop sending signals of danger to your body. Um, So it does, it has to, yeah, it does, I guess, take it a a bit further, yeah.
0: And to take it back to just like the very basics of chronic pain, if somebody that's listening isn't familiar with it, can you kind of describe what different people see, like how it manifests in the body?
1: Yes, so um, the term pain, chronic pain, sometimes sometimes can be central to literal like joint muscle pain. I take it as, I use it oftentimes more general in terms of pain or symptoms, um, sensations in the body that don't go away. So it could mean things like, um, like back pain is very, very widely spread. And oftentimes what we call neuroplastic, neuroplastic neuroplastic, pain, um, neuroplastic pain is the term that describes, uh, chronic pain. That's not treated. Physically. It doesn't need to be treated physically. It needs to be treated mentally and emotionally. And so that term means basically that like, sure, there might be these physical ma- manifestations in your body. And like I said, there might be, um, you know, an X-ray or an MRI that shows something that's off in your spine that might be completely true, but at the same time, it doesn't need to be treated physically. So. Um, actually it's shown that 64% of people that have some type of either disc herniation or bulge disc in their back don't experience pain from it. And so it just begs the question, like, well then why do some people experience it and some people don't when they may have a very similar issue physically in their body. So let me bring it back. So chronic pain is what happens in the body when your brain says, I can't really handle this other mental and emotional state of being. I can't handle either the trauma that I've gone through. I can't handle like the life transition that I'm going through right now because that's too painful. I don't know how to handle it. So instead, I'm just going to send some signals to this part of my body, part of your body, like, oh, cool. There's something wrong in your spine. I'm just going to send signals of pain there. So you feel that pain instead of the other pain. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: a huge part of this process is recognizing how to handle and deal with the mental and emotional so that our brain doesn't have to send signals of pain and danger to the physical body and really it's sometimes it can be hard to sit with when you recognize it because then it feels like that's really it or oh man i'm kind of weak for not being able to handle this but it's just it's not the case because it's just more widely um accepted to feel physical pain in our society Mm -hmm. right in life Mm Mm-hmm. yeah did, did that cover that question <laughs> I probably yeah. went a little. okay right.
2: no that that definitely covered it and so what what I'm hearing as a trauma therapist myself is that it's almost like the um, like how people develop like I'm an eating disorder therapist too so how people develop eating disorders right or how okay. they you know develop other coping mechanisms is this is the body's way of coping with the um like you said, trauma or difficult life transitions or just difficult life events in general, their body decides to um, cope with it in that way?
1: Yes, exactly. And it's actually interesting you bring that up. I'm an eating disorder therapist too, um, even before this. And um, when I was going through pain reprocessing therapy training, we found out or they talked about how there's so many similar characteristics with people with neuroplastic pain as well as eating disorders. And when I realize that my brain totally clicked because it makes so much sense a lot of characteristics like anxiety perfectionism a lot of worry pressure on ourselves very similar characteristics in those two populations because we just hold everything in and we have a we control it right and so it manifests in yeah like an eating disorder or chronic pain um so yeah you're exactly right what's happening
0: I feel like a lot of chronic physical pain can be so cyclical once it comes back into the emotional side of it because it's like your body hurts so badly. At least I can speak from my experience that it just that pain becomes a mental toll as well. And you're like, I don't want to, you know, get out of bed today or I don't want to go to class or go to work or whatever it may be. And that can become a hindrance to even getting like the mental health. You know assistance that you need too so it's so cyclical like one is just feeding the other and then it's hard to get out of that cycle
1: yeah it is i it's funny i just wrote a little bit of an article about this of that so yes our physical pain can come from the emotional and the mental at the same time the physical chronic pain causes even more trauma more emotional pain because you're left just feeling hopeless and like oh well nothing's really working or I'm told that this is just kind of how it is. It's just a syndrome, Mm -hmm. um, that can't really be treated. And so, yeah, a lot of depression and anxiety can come from it as well as lead to it. Mm
0: -hmm. And this can really happen to anybody, correct?
1: Um, technically, yes. I mean, I will say that there are certain characteristics for sure. Kind of like I said, so there's lots of characteristics that, meet a certain person so there might be some people that go through very similar things in life but they don't manifest in this right i guess kind of similar to any disorder um but yeah i mean if you have similar characteristics and also it can be um it, it can happen within families as well when you see it's kind of just a coping mechanism that your brain can t- kind of take on like oh well i see these people experiencing this pain in their body they're always focusing on their physical body or their health oh uh, your brain just kind of takes that on because it's known right mm-hmm. so uh, short answer yes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah and it's sort of like we we don't know like exactly why someone develops this over that when it comes to any disorder right and so yeah it technically can happen to anyone and then there's you know genetics and like you said environment that plays a role and so yeah it's just it's really fascinating I'm I'm like sitting here thinking like why isn't this like talked about more right and that like like our bodies can take on, like, yeah, we talk about that, right? In the mental health space, but that our bodies can take it on as a way to cope. Like I'm, I'm having like a light bulb moment as a therapist myself being like, this is so fascinating. And, you know, I'm wondering how many people, even the people I see currently are dealing with chronic pain. And maybe we just don't talk about it because they don't think that that's like a mental health thing to bring up to your mental health therapist.
1: Right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Like when I was in grad school, I was seeing a therapist for something, totally unrelated, and really, really struggling, but I, I mean, I, may, I might have mentioned it, you know, a couple times that I was just struggling from it, but, you know, we didn't talk about it, because, um, uh, yeah, if you just, you don't know, as many, many, I don't know any other therapist, really, that that does this, that knows about it, um, so, yeah, it's, it's not widely known.
2: That's why when I came across your content, I was like, we have to get her on the podcast. Like, this is so fascinating. And I feel like more people need to know about this, whether you're a mental health therapist or not.
1: Yeah, definitely. Actually, the, the training that I was in is not just for therapists, it's for many different practitioners. So I was in that training with uh, physical therapists, um, chiropractors, doctors, therapists, psychologists. Um, just because so there's a wide amount of professionals that will see someone with chronic pain. So the more awareness you can bring in all kinds of professions, the better.
2: hmm hmm Absolutely.
0: Have you ever found somebody, uh, that maybe doesn't have the mental health background or education be a little bit skeptical when they come to you saying that they have like this physical ailment or pain that they've been dealing with and you're like, well, let's peel it back maybe it there's something mentally going on and they're like mm, I don't know what you're talking about
1: yes um yes I will say though by the time someone gets to me there's usually some kind of awareness or interest around like okay there's something more to this right because they're not going to come to me for you know a pain medication or something right right um right. So they'll, they they grasp it, but maybe not fully understand it. But I will say even then, there's still, there's a big portion of this work that's kind of, it's kind of convincing your brain <laughs> because you can still, you can grasp it, but there's a tight hold on this, wanting it to be purely physical that, well, okay, if I can just do this treatment or get this surgery or whatever, it'll, it'll help. Um, and that seems easier than doing the psychological work. And technically, sometimes it could be, but it's also not going to change it. Um, So, yes, there's definitely a lot of skepticism um, around it. But I often find that when someone's been struggling for so long, um, I mean, anywhere, I've seen people anywhere from, I think the shortest amount of time I've seen someone struggle before they kind of come into this world is probably about a year. And then there's some stories of people struggling for like 30 years, you know, so... um, no matter how long, once they recognize this, it's it, it does take some work and some time to kind of realize what's happening. Um, there's a couple of different books that talk about how sometimes when people even just read the book, even if they don't even finish the full book, their pain starts to go away right off the bat because it's just so powerful for your brain to realize, oh, it's not the physical. Um, now, those are not, you know, the majority, but it does happen.
0: Hmm.
2: Oh, that's really cool. And yeah, as someone who experienced migraines like almost every day of high school, um, I didn't realize till later in my life that it was related to my trauma. Because um, once I did a lot of trauma work, I don't suffer from migraines as much anymore. Uh, but that I would have give like I would have given anything to not have a migraine every day. So I feel like that makes sense. What you're saying is like when people come to you, they're like just like, please help me. Like kind of like when someone comes to you and they're like really depressed or anxious they or like, please help me. Right. Like I, I'm mm. willing to try anything because I'm, I'm really stuck. And so that makes sense that you'll see people who like, especially with all, like you mentioned the psychoeducation being like, here's the, you know, here's the science, here's the education behind it. I feel like that can probably really help people then be like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Because I feel like, it sounds like the three of us have all experienced chronic pain at some point. And so knowing that feeling that, like, I'll give anything to not be in this this much physical or mental pain.
1: Exactly. And that's why actually showing uh, stats and research is important. I have that 64% of people don't experience pain with, with back issue or with back x-rays. I say that all the time and just reiterate these stats because it's important for your brain to really grasp that so you can fully believe that 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 is
0: possible. Mm -hmm. And I think in our society, it's just so accepted that physical pain is normal, especially as we get older. It's like, oh, my back is starting to hurt. Oh, well, you're just getting older. You're sitting at a desk all day. Like, that's understandable. Everybody's like that. And then you're like, no, is it's probably a little bit worse than that, or it's something that's unbearable, something that I can't deal with. And just people aren't understanding, you know, our culture isn't as understanding about the physical and mental pain that it's not normal and it's not something that you just have to deal with forever.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's so widely accepted. It just is what it is. Um, Right? But it it really doesn't have to be that. It's really our bodies are just kind of taking on a lot of stress, you know, Um, physically. Sure, you can talk about how like, okay, maybe it's not great to sit in your chair all day long every day. And that's the physical stress. Um, That might be true. And uh, there's a lot of like mental and emotional stress that our body takes on for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like it could be the mental side, and then just all these other activities we do. Like our lifestyles are just exacerbating the already existing problem. Mhm. Yeah.
2: So, is chronic fatigue like does that come from chronic pain, or is that separate?
1: It can go together, and it can be separate. Okay. So, um, chronic fatigue is its own syndrome, chronic fatigue syndrome, or NE and I always mess up exactly what that word is for ME, but that's Mm -hmm. the the letters for it. Um, It is separate, but also, so it can just be diagnosed on its own, but oftentimes it goes along with some other kind of chronic illness, some other kind of problem. Um, Really, what it is, is the body's just saying, like it's the old fatigue, chronic fatigue is the ultimate form of shutdown in the nervous system. When your nervous system wants to shut down well, it's just going to experience a lot of fatigue, so you just go literally go to sleep, go shut down. Um, but when chronic fatigue happens, when someone has chronic fatigue, it is, it, if you don't, have you've never experienced it, it's, uh, it's hard to grasp. People are like, oh, they're just tired all the time, like, whatever, have some coffee or something. But it is this, like, bone-on-bone, like, total fatigue of the mind or the body, usually a lot of brain fog that's just, like, It's just exhausting to even have it. And it happens no matter how much sleep you get. Rest rest does not change anything. And so the thing is, though, the way that we treat it is actually the exact same with chronic pain. It's basically just retraining the brain to say, actually, I don't need to shut down right now. I'm actually okay. I'm safe. re reestablishing safety in your body and your nervous system so that it doesn't need to shut down. Um, The thing is that there's so much. uh, there's a lot of um, treatments around chronic fatigue that are not necessarily treatments, just managing it in terms of detoxing the body. So you don't have any toxins in the body, changing your diet, things like that, which I always say are not bad things, but if that's the only way you're treating it, you're not really treating the, the, the origin of the issue. Um, and so you have multiple people. I struggle I struggled a lot with chronic fatigue throughout many years and um, use the same techniques that I use for pain for the fatigue, and I don't really have that anymore.
0: I feel like that's definitely a symptom that I had with my chronic pain for a long time as well. Like we were saying earlier, there probably was lifestyle things, especially with being a student at the time, that were exacerbating it. But like you said, the first line of defense that a lot of people will suggest to you is, doing like elimination diets or, you know, eliminating certain things in your lifestyle or certain types of food. And I'm like, I agree there can be benefits to that, but also my problem is not that I'm just eating gluten, like my body is shutting down and I can't think and I can't stay awake during the day. So I think it's great that people are kind of now realizing that it's also just like your body trying to cope with this mental load and it's not always like you even touched on histamine tolerance earlier in the conversation which is something that I looked into as well and I don't know if just as a non-therapist it's easier for people to kind of look at their diets or what they're putting into their body to try to control like what you know is causing these symptoms rather than thinking oh maybe it is like a trauma response or something that I need to
1: talk about in therapy the tangible the physical always seems easier to control to manipulate to change right so like a diet seems like okay well that's understandable that seems like i can i can change it using a diet right i can work on that um or i can go to physical therapy and do these things or whatever it is so it just seems easier right and again that's just what we've been taught is like the physical body is just a lot more accepted to work on um, the emotional side of things is a little more murky. It's not as like straightforward all the time, you know? So, yeah, uh, it, it, it can seem like that's the case, especially in the past, I don't know, a few years, probably 10 years at least, um, where, you know, clean diets and things like that and like gluten and dairy intolerances, all of that has been very popular. Um, there's a lot of talk around how that can help with all different kinds of chronic illness. Um, and I, I'm a little sensitive to that because of being an eating disorder therapist too, that I'm, I, you know, I don't, I don't knock everything. It's just that I usually say, let's not start with all that because I've seen way too many people, myself included, go down that path and develop eating disorders because of getting into figuring out how to eat clean for whatever chronic illness you have, and then it just all manifests and gets even worse. So, um, again, it's not all bad. Like, sure, we need to nourish our bodies well, but that's not going to be the fix.
2: Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because as you guys were talking about, like, diets and stuff, like, my – their eating disorder therapist brain was going off like oh no i feel that could be so dangerous right and it's even before you start talking about the diets when talking about like the physical body seems easier to manage well that's something i talk to my eating disorder clients about all the time like you if you're feeling out of control in your life you're going to turn to your body first and say what can i do about this right and society likes us mm-hmm. to believe that we can have like total control over our body or our weight all these different things right and so yeah it makes sense why they chronic fatigue and pain are very similar you know look similar to eating disorders and how our mind can take it out on our body and then we feel like we can oh i'll just fix this and then i'll be fine it's like there's as we're learning right so much more nuance and so many so much more to healing from an eating disorder or chronic pain or fatigue exactly
0: yeah. And there's the a thing, lot of anyway. uh Sorry, just the thing I was going to say is with clean eating and all these diets nowadays, it's become a marketing tactic and it's become trendy for influencers and people online to be like, oh, here's my what I eat in a day or here is the diet that I'm doing or I'm doing, you know, low histamine, non-inflammatory, whole 30, like what, you know, there's tons of different diets out there. And then when you're in having chronic pain or chronic fatigue or both, sometimes if you don't have that mental health education, you're just so desperate. You're like, I'll try whatever, like I'll eliminate whatever, Mm -hmm. I'll take whatever supplement. So it is really easy to get people into that mindset that like, this is what you need to do. And companies are, you know, kind of taking advantage and exploiting that I think.
1: Yeah, it can, it can be easy. There's, there's so much talk about that. And, I, you know, there is a lot of research behind the different types of food and what's nutritious and what's not and, and all the things. And so I always come back to, like, okay, I'm, I am not going to sit here and say there's not nutritious foods. At the same time, it is not going to be the fix-all. It's right. just it can't be. There isn't going to be that one thing, one supplement, one diet, one physical treatment. It's just not going to be the fix-all. We're not that um, – easy <laughs> <We're complex laughs> women, so. yeah our bodies
2: are super complex right so it's not going to yeah. be like yeah just eat you know drink this green tea mix and you'll be great or whatever those things are so yeah like we were saying so much nuance to um you know, taking care of our minds and bodies
0: mm-hmm. just making sure we're always talking to professionals before we you know, make those dietary changes and working with our mental health therapists and maybe, you know, you guys can probably speak more to this as eating disorder therapists, but if you are looking to make a big change in your diet, maybe talking to like a registered dietitian and your therapist and just making sure that you're going about it in the correct way and you're not, um, you know, missing things that you should, you're not depriving yourself of anything that you need.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I actually have a good uh, a colleague friend who's a, not a therapist, she's a, a dietitian and she does a lot of uh, testing in terms of like gut testing and things like that because her whole thing is not that there's one specific diet that's going to help you, but what is your body saying? What are your testing saying that you need or that you don't need? And even still, I still even say like, if you really want to do that, great, but let's work on this mental emotional side first. Because that really can be helpful. I think she's amazing. She does a really great work. She has a great group practice. Um, but yeah, when if that's not the if if you're already dealing with some fatigue, gut issues, uh, chronic pain, we need to work on this first, and then you can go in that and kind of like kind of see it as like the next the next phase. And you can kind of elevate your like your your health with those things once we get to the bottom of this other like debilitating pain. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in um, pain reprocessing therapy is like yoga therapy part of it, or is that just a separate way that you help treat it?
1: Uh, Good question. It is separate. I kind of combine everything and really the way it looks is that, um, especially with pain reprocessing therapy, if you're coming in with something like fibromyalgia, like physical pain, I won't introduce anything physical because again, it is not about treating it physically. So to me in the way that I work, yoga therapy really comes from more of that, like breath practices, meditation practices, really just the internal work. Um, I got my yoga therapy certification before uh, pain reprocessing. And so I was doing that for a little bit and then pivoted to pain reprocessing, but I still, yoga has a very special place in my heart and um, is always going to be how I see things sometimes, just like any uh, psychological theory is going to frame, you know, how you see yoga therapy frames a lot of how I see.
0: Okay. Okay. Is there a particularly like good candidate for yoga therapy that you find within your practice or is it Really, just you kind of introduce the idea, and whoever is open to it.
1: Um, that's a good question because there is. Um, So, yoga therapy is going to be for someone that we don't need to. You don't have an immediate maybe trauma to process. Um, It's usually something that I either introduce a little bit later after we go through kind of traditional psychotherapy or pain reprocessing therapy, and then I'll introduce yoga therapy. But there are some people that seek it out because that's they know that's what they want because they're already kind of in this yoga world and they wanna deepen their practice. And so that might look like um, leading you through a yoga nidra session or a certain meditation or breath practice to deepen that internal awareness. Okay. So sometimes it's, it's not an easy answer, sometimes it's a combination, sometimes it's purely yoga therapy. Um, just because it it has more of that spiritual component to it. So if that's something that you're looking for and you want that spiritual component, that's where that comes in.
2: Okay. Since you have the traditional therapy training as well, I feel like a lot of, um, at least in grad school, it's like you'd ask your professor something and they'd be like, it depends. And then that always annoyed you, right? And then when you became a therapist and people ask you questions, you're like, it depends, right? There's no, no one right right answer. It really just depends on the person who's, you know, sitting in front of you and what they're looking for. And that's something I was thinking about as you were just talking about, like, there's no one right answer. And like, it can be really awesome. And it can, you know, be something that people do later on or, you know, depending on where they're at. And so it's just, it's just funny to me that that's something that shows up so much now, even in, at least for me in grad school, it was always like, I'm looking for an answer. Can you give me an answer? And they wouldn't.
1: Yeah, it's very true, because I get that question a lot about yoga therapy, like, what does that look like? What is that, right? And so my answer probably changes depending on the person that I'm in front of, just it just is, it's it's just a little bit different. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is interesting, because at first I was kind of picturing just when I heard the phrase yoga therapy, like, okay, is it just talk therapy while you're doing a yoga session like are you up and downward dog and still talking to each other back like just getting that movement in But also I'm doing uh, prenatal yoga right now because I'm pregnant and I feel like in a way that's Not exactly traditional yoga therapy, but it is You know kind of rooting yourself in that mind-body connection being very aware of yourself and your child and kind of where you're at in your journey and it does bring that therapeutic aspect to it that I haven't necessarily experienced in just like traditional, you know, yoga classes that I've been in.
1: Yes. Um, exactly. I usually, I will say this, this is probably an answer I would say to anyone is that it's not going to look like I'm not going to lead you through 30 minutes or an hour of like a vinyasa practice. It's not going to be a traditional kind of like yoga, physical practice. Therapeutic yoga is very much so, um, More focused on the meditation, the breath work, and some restorative postures or poses. The whole idea is to go more internal, to recognize what's happening within your emotional mental state, and connect spiritually if that's what you're wanting as well. Um, So yeah, I'm not going to be on the floor leading you through a, a full flow, but I would, depending on the person, lead you through something just to get you into that. The whole idea is kind of get your nervous system into more of that soothing, calm state. And we can do that through therapeutic yoga
0: practices
2: um and to ask you a clarifying question you might have answered this and i'm just like i said needing some clarification so is what you're saying is that yoga um is a bonus it's not like doing yoga practice is not going to cure your or necessarily like you know uh, not that there's a cure for anything but it's not how how much do I say this like it's not gonna be like because you have the pain reprocessing therapy like that is what's gonna help with your chronic pain or chronic fatigue whereas yoga can be like a bonus and something that can help you navigate like the day to day pain that you experience or just connecting deeper with your like inner self.
1: Yes, and I'm gonna <laughs> put a little yes, yes. You're exactly on the right track. I'm gonna add a little bit to that. So. If you are coming to me, or I mean anyone that's in this, um, specifically for a chronic pain, chronic illness, fatigue, I will not do yoga therapy with you because okay. I don't want to even I don't want to even, even entertain the idea that a physical practice is going to help you. Got it. It's okay. very much so like I want to eliminate the physical practices that you're doing so that we're telling your brain that's not the fix. Um, so yes, yoga therapy is an additive later. Yoga therapy incorporates meditation, breath work, and physical practice, physical posture. So I would just eliminate the physical postures from how I treat chronic pain. The meditation and the breath work, super helpful. Um, But the physical practice of yoga, no, I would not introduce. So it is separate.
2: Okay. Yeah. Thank you for answering that and clarifying that and because yeah I saw on um, your Instagram story today about how you were experiencing some chronic pain and then you, you know, took a few minutes to yourself and so is that like something that you can do, are there things that you can do like while doing the pain reprocessing therapy to help with the day to day like when you're not in session kind of like how we give our clients like coping skills or things to do outside of sessions.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of tools associated with pain reprocessing. Um, So a lot of like talking to yourself, um, verbal tools, kind of like there's visualization, kind of talking to your brain in a different way and training your thoughts. Um, The whole idea is to allow your nervous system and your brain to decrease the fear. So what happens with pain is our brain gets really fearful, creates more pain which creates more fear, which creates more pain. So it's just this cycle. So we interrupt that cycle with practices that include um, talking to ourselves differently, visualizing the fear decreasing, um, and somatic tracking. It's it's called somatic tracking. So tracking your symptoms, tracking the pain in your body without judgment. So kind of that idea of a very basic meditation of just noticing without judgment. It goes just a little step farther in terms of your symptoms. Um, but yes, there's to answer your question. There's multiple tools. It's kind of the whole point is to really work with your pain in the moment, as well as process through, you know, what what's the origin of it? How did we get here? Um, and really bring that psychoeducation to it. So all all the above,
0: but yes, for for tools. And that really reminds me. I've seen on social media recently, and I don't know if these are coming if it's from trained professionals or just lay people. Um, so I don't know how much like credence there is to it, but people be like, oh, let's do, you know, do this certain hip release pigeon pose and you store trauma in your hips and then do this stretch and then you'll help release the trauma. And I'm like, well, I don't know. That seems kind of intense. Like maybe I need to avoid doing that now. Is there any credence to that? Or.
1: That's a question I don't question know if you've too. seen uh...
0: that, but.
1: Yeah, it's very, uh, in yoga, it is, um, just widely known that, yeah, the hips, hips hold trauma, hips hold anger, hips hold emotion, hips hold a lot of, um, emotional, mental space there. So yes, in terms of, so in yoga therapy training, we are taught that and sure, some hip openers can release emotions. Um, if I'm coming from a chronic pain place and pain reprocessing place, I wouldn't use that because again, it's not about the physical. So, no, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing better. There's not one that's better than necessarily the there. I guess it again depends on what you're where you're coming from. Um, So yes, it is there. There's a lot of like somatic centers of the body that carry different emotional places. So especially in yoga therapy, we're taught about the whole body system, energetic system, body centers, like so many different centers of the body. Um, So those have very, very much truth to them. But when we're really trying to reprocess the brain with, with chronic pain, it's so much more about retraining the brain and then soothing the body, but not having the body be the center of it. So I wouldn't tell someone to go into pigeon pose to release trauma that way. Um, although it can feel really good and it can totally be a release. Um, there are plenty of people that say like, yeah, that pose definitely makes me cry. And so then I would say, that's okay. That is nothing to be fearful of. Allow that to come through. Right. There's a reason why that needs to come through.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of another connection to eating disorders as you talk. Cause I tell my clients a lot, like it's not about food, Like it is about food, right? But it's not about food. And so what I'm hearing you saying is it's about the body. Yes, but it's not about the body. So let's not focus on like the food or focus on the body aspect of it. Let's focus on the mental and emotional aspect of it.
1: Mm -hmm. And the thing is that exactly, you're exactly right. The thing and the reason why it's so important is because when you're stuck in chronic pain, especially with the body, um, with aches and pains and joints and things like that, you've been so focused on it for so long or however long and you've been seeking out treatment you've gone to physical therapy you've done the yoga you've done the whatever x y and z and so the more you focus on it the worse it gets because then you get so fearful of the positions that you sit in that can trigger the pain and it's all about the physical so i need to do these exercises before i go sit in the car or else i'm going to get the pain feel pain right or all these things or you just get so fearful all the time you just get stuck so I wanna release that and say, we don't need to focus on the exercises that you need to do to be able to sit in the car. Cause it's not about that.
2: Yeah. Um, so exactly.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, that, that's fascinating. It's like you're you obsessed about food 24 seven if you, you have an eating disorder. So it makes so much sense that if you're experiencing chronic pain or chronic fatigue, you obsess about that 24 seven. So let's not obsess about it and focus on something else. Wow, that that's fascinating. I love all the connection just cuz it I feel like it emphasizes how like, you know, there are our mind body connection is so strong, right? And like how we treat things may look a little bit different, but at the core like they're very similar.
1: Exactly. I actually just I just had a client I talked to today who said, "I realized that I hadn't been thinking about my pain as much," which then made me realize I haven't experienced it as much. It's and it kind of Ends up similar, and I just made this connection similar in eating disorders. Where if you recognize that you're not waking up and going to bed thinking about food, something's changing, right? Yes, with her, she recognizes, like, oh, the just thinking about my pain used to consume me all day long, but I just realized I've had a couple days where I hadn't even thought about it, I didn't realize it till now, you know. So that means progress, that's amazing to where you're not consumed, you don't think about it all the time. Um, yeah,
2: there. Absolutely, that's that's one of the, and I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like that's one of those moments where it's like, this is worth it, right? Like when you have a client tell you something like that, like this work is hard and it's also worth it because how amazing that someone's not sitting, thinking about their physical pain, even if it is just for a couple of days like that, that's amazing and the work you do is amazing. And um, this conversation has been so awesome and enlightening in so many different ways.
1: Yeah feels great
0: to hear that. I was all like,
2: yay, win. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So just to wrap it up really quick, like Emily said, this has been an amazing conversation to, you know, just break down this mind-body connection. And I was uh, looking at your TikTok recently, actually, and you had some great, just like quick little tips for being able to do like little releases throughout the day or to get out of that stress cycle. So do you have any quick tips our listeners can uh, take with them just for like how to break out of the stress cycle during the day if they just need like a little five-minute thing to kind of get them going through the rest of the day?
1: Yeah, so there's usually like two, two small things that they can be complex, so you end up needing a little bit more information around them. But for sure, when you start to recognize That you're in the stress cycle. Like when you recognize your specific signals of stress, when you're in that like fight, flight, or freeze zone, that's one of the most important steps because once you can become aware of when you're in that, meaning what is your brain saying? What are your thoughts saying? What how does your body feel? What are your actions? What are your behaviors? Are you someone that tends to shut down and just wants to like go to bed? Are you someone that gets really anxious and like can't sit still and needs to do x, y, and z and multitask all the time? What are your signals of distress? So once you understand that, then you can recognize, okay, I'm in this. And I want you to give it a name. Like I call my fight or flight zone, the, the red zone. When I'm in the red zone, don't make business from that place. I do not continue as much as possible to theorize and analyze all the things that are going wrong in my life. Because your brain automatically looks for what's wrong. It's trying to do that. It's trying to protect you. So when we can do that, when you can name it. Then you know, okay, I am going to do either um, with chronic pain clients, I say either do some kind of somatic tracking, put on a song, move your body a little bit, like literally distract and get out of that red zone space. Now, again, you're not perfect. It's not going to happen every single time. I know we can't just like switch on a dime, right? Um, but the whole idea is to like recognize and stop what you're doing. If, if you can, at least don't make like full on decisions and from that place because you're not you in that. You're in your primal state. You're in your protective zone. Your brain's protect, trying to protect you. So there's a long way of saying, like, start to become really aware of your signals. Um, I have a nervous system, nervous system tracking guide that you can download from my, any of my socials that helps you understand this. Um, you just sign up and you can download it. And it'll get you clear on what your signals of distress are, and then when you recognize that, stop and use your breath. Our breath is the number one way to help calm our nervous system, and so we can when we can use our breath, and we can at least get into maybe a somewhat separate, separate state, and then do some sort of distraction technique, whether that's going for a walk, listening to a song, um, other little like somatic tools that. do talk about on my page and things like that. So, well, it's hard to like pinpoint it exactly because there's so many different techniques. But yeah,
2: no, absolutely. Well, thank you for that because yeah, there, like you said, there's so and like we've been saying this whole episode, right? There's so much nuance to it and so much psychoeducation that needs to happen to it. But breathwork is so underrated, and so I'm glad that I'm glad that you brought that up and how it can help regulate our nervous system, which is such a key component to a lot of, um, mental health aspects and physical aspects. So yeah, we appreciate you sharing and appreciate the work that you do and getting the word out there about chronic pain and fatigue. Yeah. Thank you. I love talking about
1: this stuff. So I really appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Do you want to let, um, our listeners know where to follow you and, uh, your website and we'll list it in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm on Instagram and TikTok um, at healwithgrace, heal.with.grace. Um, that's where I'm most active. I also, my website is um, elevatetherapywellness.com. Um, and so I show up there very regularly and I see individuals. I also have a group program for chronic pain. The first one is starting in March. So if you're interested, you can find more information there or on my on my social media.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thanks, y'all.